You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. So today we're going to finish up our adulting series talking about facing disappointment. And that word adulting is kind of a weird word, isn't it? Like it's, I think it's a made up word that somehow just made it into the dictionary over the last couple years. Um, But it carries the connotation of not wanting to deal anymore and kind of just be a kid, right? Like I do not want to adult anymore. I want to be a kid because adulting can be very difficult. The realities of it, the responsibilities of it can be overwhelming. And I know I think it sometimes, and I say it, and you probably do also, man, if I could just be a kid again. I mean, those are the greatest days. Life seems so much simpler. It seems so much easier. I tell my youngest daughter all the time, being a kid is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, it is awesome. And if, you know, you could just live there. And I tell her, enjoy it. Embrace it. Don't rush it. You know, one of the things that I I, I admire most about kids or children, one of the qualities is, is resilience. Doesn't it seem like kids just have such amazing resilience? The ability to bounce back. I mean, when our first child was born, it was a crash course in adulting, right? Like when you have just been responsible for adult humans and you know that's hard enough on its own, right? Like taking care of yourself is difficult. Now you have this little life that is your responsibility. I remember one of the first nights in the hospital, you know how the nurses will bring the the babies in on the card and they would always bring our our daughter in and she would be wrapped up nice and snug in the blanket, right? And it was just like, you know, they cocooned her or something. Well, I remember the first time we were trying to figure out how to do it ourselves. Like she's laying on this and my wife and I are looking at it and we're going like this. I felt like I was straight jacketing my infant child, right? Like uh, what in the world? How do they get it to look so perfect? And the whole adulting and becoming responsible for another life was, and, and I'll be honest, I'm kind of shocked she survived the first, light, the first night at home, <laughs> right? Let alone the, the, the first week. And I'm like, man, this is stressful. This responsibility, the reality of this. And, you know, it was, it was difficult. And, you know, it felt like we're pulling our hair out. And, and all the time we're stressing. You know, you hear the slightest little noise and we're stressing. Not a care in the world. Yeah, she cried. And she needed to have the vacuum cleaner on to sleep, which I don't know why or how we even figured that out. Uh, but it's like, it's just, ugh. but kids, they're just resilient, right? Seemed like she didn't have a care in the world. Now, that doesn't mean she didn't have problems along the way. I remember when she was, I think she was less than one, she got this virus called rotavirus, and she literally couldn't keep anything in, and she was, she, it was gross. I'm not going to go into detail. I'll just tell you, it, yeah, it was a poop cocoon is basically <laughs> what it was. So it got to the place where we took her to the hospital, and she's so de- dehydrated as an infant. They're trying to get an IV in her. They can't get an IV in her. We're standing in the room. They see us freaking out. They send us out. We come back a half an hour later. She's got the IV coming down her forehead, and I'm like, and then she's got a cone. 
like a dog, like on her head, right? And, you know, she's fell down and she hit her head off a rocking chair one time and had this big welt and she's fell down a flight of stairs too. And I know what you're thinking, all while she's real young, they should have not sent that baby home with that guy, right? They should not have done that. What I've learned or what I learned was, man, she's amazingly resilient. And believe it or not, all three of my kids at one point in time fell down a flight of stairs. It was our spiritual gift to them that they could fall down a flight of stairs. And I remember when our oldest did it. It was like panic. I'm running. I'm like, you know, what in the world are we going to do? Second one, kind of walking a little slower, right? (laughs) Checking my phone. Third one, I'm like, hey, hon, just pass me the remote, right? Because why? Kids are just resilient. Like all this stuff can just happen to them. And they bounce back. Like the third child was like, it's an 8.5. You didn't stick the landing. If you did, it would have been a 10, right? Like, like, aren't kids just amazingly resilient? They get hurt. They experience pain. You blow a kiss. You wave a lo- lo- lollipop. And voila, everything's all better. And it's not just physical pain that they experience. They'll have bad things happen as they grow and their friend will go play with another friend and they'll be left out and they'll be like, squirrel. And life is good, right? Like, it's just amazing how a toddler, a child, just bounces back so well. Whether it's physical or emotional, they just seem to be able to get right back up, dust themselves off. Disappointment comes, disappointment goes. But as you know, and I know, the older we get, we're not quite so resilient, are we? That as we grow into our teenage years and into adulthood, we don't seem to have the same type of bounce back ability. Disappointment becomes more daunting. Bouncing back gets harder. Our resilience gets tested. Because what we learn is that life can be harsh. And people even harsher. Responsibilities are unrelenting. We get let down. Days are difficult. And it gets difficult to face disappointment on an ongoing basis. And adulting And the way of disappointment can be so much more difficult to deal about it, deal with. I mean, think about it. We start out life so innocently. Things are relatively simple. Not perfect, but for the most part, safe. As we grow and as we develop, we begin to have hopes and we begin to have dreams. What we're going to be, what we're going to do, what we're going to accomplish life is like a blank canvas in front of us of just what everything is and what it can be but in the midst of that sometimes our family isn't there for us the way we think a family should be there for someone they don't support us the way that we should be supported maybe they're just uninterested or indifferent or other times Maybe they're more openly hostile. 
sometimes. In homes, there can even be abusive situations. And our safe place becomes uncertain, sometimes unkind, maybe even dangerous. And we can feel insignificant. We can even get to the place where we feel unimportant, written off, or sold out, and disappointment, that word itself becomes an understatement. Because life becomes downright painful, downright hurtful. But in spite of the way that we're treated, and irregardless of what people have done to us, something inside of us is still somewhat resilient, right? And we still seek the best, and we still strive to do the right things. We fight off the instinct to get angry and bitter and even hateful. We try to be respectful and honest and kind. And though we're not perfect as we navigate life and its disappointments, we're trying. We're trying to be the type of person that we know we want to be. But it gets hard. And sometimes our reward from coming out of a place that wasn't safe is being thrown into an even more unsafe place. A world that cares far less about us than our family even cared about us. And our reward for trying to bounce back and our reward for trying to be people of integrity and people of honor is we're prejudged. We're misjudged. We're mistreated. People gossip. They lie about us. They kick us back down. And while we're down, they keep kicking us. And it's not just people, it's life. And life gets derailed. But because there's some kind of fighter in all of us, we pick ourselves back up again. And we dust ourselves off again. Yet does anyone see does anyone even really know? And worse does any, than anyone see, does anyone even really care? Does anybody even really care about the internal? The turmoil inside. Like, does anybody get me? And day after day goes by and we're just going through the motions and we forge on, but it's seemingly forgotten. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and it dawns on us. We're not a toddler anymore. We're not a teenager anymore. We're an adult. And the hopes and dreams that we had, now they're just a distant memory. 20 years have passed. The dreams weren't just delayed. The dream feels dead. Like that blank canvas has been shattered by disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Life, people, experiences have gotten the best of us. Imagine how disappointing this would be. Imagine how devastating this would be 
to think about life in this way. It's very easy to allow disappointment to become overwhelming where we lose hope and we stop believing. And we start saying things like this, what was all wishful thinking or was for someone else, it wasn't for me. Because adulting can be daunting and difficult and disappointing. But imagine, imagine with me for a minute a person thriving through all of that. That even though they got pushed down or they didn't get the best start, they kept getting back up again. And even when things happened that were difficult to them, they kept, imagine that through all of the disappointments of life, an unrelenting disappointment, if you will, instead of being pushed down, they were promoted. Instead of being completely shattered, they somehow rise above and they find blessing in all of the brokenness that every human in every situation has brought into their life. And maybe this morning, you think I'm speaking in generalities, just giving you a tale. Or maybe you're thinking, that sounds familiar. Maybe you're thinking, I've heard that story before. Well, if you've ever read the book of Genesis, you have heard this story before. Because it's the life of Joseph. Isn't it? Isn't it a man who constantly, time after time after time after time, was pushed back? And pushed down. Yet in the face of constant disappointment, over and over and over again, he wasn't utterly destroyed. He was destined. Like I look and I read the story of Joseph, and again, if you're familiar with it, I don't know about you, but I kind of push back from it, and I'm like, how? Like, how in the world does somebody go through all of that? I mean, his family dissed him. The people that were supposed to love and support him the most, they abandoned him and they abused him. Yet he landed on his feet in Egypt, but not just on his feet. Wasn't he favored? He didn't just survive. He thrived in that situation. Instead of being crushed, which that, listen, if your family sells you off and doesn't care if you die, that's going to crush a lot of people. But instead of being crushed, he was crowned. He was put in charge of Potiphar's house. Genesis 39, 5 says, from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. He's blessed. When he was pushed down, he's blessed. What was his reward for these blessings? He was blasted. Potiphar's wife attempts to tear him down, and when he wouldn't crack, she accused him anyway. She lied about him. The teenage boy who once laid frightened in a pit is now led away to a prison cell. And in Genesis 39, 20, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners, how I many you know the king's prisoners get a special place, were confined. But the prison didn't make him a prisoner. 
It didn't define him. Like the prison. Didn't define him. He was pushed down again, but he prospered. Imagine that. Genesis chapter 39, verse 20b. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison. Like, you read this story, and how can't you just step back and say, what kind of resilience is this? What kind of ability to bounce back? is this? And I don't know about you, but I'm sure there's questions, right? Like if I'm Joseph, I I got questions. And I'm sure there's moments of doubt and moments of weakness. And one day in that prison cell, light begins to flicker again. After faithfully pouring his life into others for two years and speaking into the heart of the cupbearer, there's hope that he'll be vindicated, that he'll be restored, that this time's not going to be like all the other times. But Genesis 40 verse 23 says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Joseph spoke into this man's life at his lowest point. And he couldn't even remember him. When Joseph himself could have been wallowing in self-pity and embracing the pain and hurt that he had, instead of that, he's empowering people. And his reward? He's forgotten. Genesis chapter 41 says two years passed. Imagine that, two years 700 and some days sitting in that prison cell, forgotten. No one to talk to. No ray of hope. What do you think that would do to your mind, to your heart, to your spirit? I don't know about you, but Joseph, he's a better man than me. I mean, those two years after everything else, they would have been the last straw. It would have broke my will. Whatever hope or resolve I had left would have been gone. I can almost hear Joseph's words if I was speaking his words. No matter what I do, No matter what I do, I just get mistreated, kicked while I'm down, and forgotten. Stupid brothers, stupid family, stupid woman, stupid people. Why did I trust any of them? Why did I help any of them? Like, isn't that how we would normally respond to all that he went through? And honestly, by the time you get to Genesis 41, if you read it, the Bible's fascinating. You've got to read the Bible. It's fascinating. Joseph looks like a shaggy hobo when they drag him out of his dungeon. And that's the word they use, dungeon, to stand before Pharaoh. The bright, believing boy is now a battered Man, those 20 years would have broken 
most people. Crushed their will, their hope, their outlook. Yet Joseph stands in front of the most powerful man in the world at the time. And his words aren't harsh. They're hopeful. His words are not foolish. They're wise. His words are not death. They're life. Well, we all know how the story ends, right? He is put in charge of the most prestigious kingdom on the planet. He becomes the second most powerful man in the world. Now that he's got the power, surely he can exact vengeance. He can get the pound of flesh that is due him. He's finally now in the position to pay everyone back for everything they ever did to him. And his response when he looks into his brother's eyes, it's not anger. It's not bitterness. It's not force. It's forgiveness. It's grace. In the face of unrelenting disappointment, Joseph is amazingly resilient. How, 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 a thousand times. How? Well, his brothers think he's only doing it because their father's still alive, right? Joseph's only treating us this way because dad is still here. They don't think he's being genuine or sincere. They think it's all a front and his real feelings will surface soon. And as soon as their father dies, they feel we're done for. And they come to him and they offer themselves as slaves and servants to Joseph. And in the face of 20 years of disappointment and mistreatment, listen to Joseph's response. Genesis 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Listen, this is such a powerful passage. Two verses that are so powerful. They teach us two lessons about facing disappointment that we're all guilty of sometimes. The first one is this. Joseph didn't allow the disappointments to define him. Joseph didn't allow the disappointments to define him. He didn't let those things become what he was. What I mean by that is he didn't become a victim, right? He didn't allow what happened to him to form his identity of who he was. His brothers didn't love him. He didn't begin to say, I'm unlovable. He was abused and mistreated. He didn't buy into the lie that he deserved it. He did not allow the people and the things and the circumstances to define him. He didn't allow them to take over. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to face disappointment in, a, in, on, in your life on an ongoing basis, you have to get to the place where you don't allow people or events or experiences to define who you see yourself as. 
they don't have control over who you are. Joseph didn't let them define him. Even though he was forgotten, he didn't believe that he was forgettable. He didn't identify in that way. He didn't embrace the labels that people usually do when life is hard, when it gets difficult, and at times hopelessly disappointing. The experience of his life, the events, the circumstances, Joseph rose above those. And if we're going to face disappointment and rise above the things that attempt to destroy us, we can't allow them to define us. But there's a second thing in this verse, and I think it's actually even more important than allowing our disappointments to define us. I think the thing that held Joseph strong all those years is he didn't allow the disappointments to define God. He didn't allow the disappointments to define God. And can I just tell you that the enemy of our soul, that's his chief desire. Let us learn from Joseph's words this morning as we reflect back on what people and life did to him. What did he say? Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph had a view of everything that happened in his life uh, that he didn't allow it to define him or God in any way. Joseph could have said, God, why did you allow my brothers to do that? God, why didn't you stop them? God, why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you come to my defense when I was attacked? Uh, When I was lied about, God, why didn't you speak up for me? When I was forgotten, why did you take so long? Why didn't you rescue me? Why didn't you change the thing? Like Joseph could have said those. Like, God, you're all powerful. You're all loving. You're supposed to. Joseph could have said all of those things, things that we say, and so much more. But he said, Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He didn't allow life to define God. He didn't allow events to define God. He didn't allow experiences to define God. He didn't allow the actions of others to define God, and neither can we. Listen, if you take one thing away from this message, take this away. As long as you allow anything other than God to define God, you will always be disappointed. As long as you allow anything other than God to define God, you will always, always be disappointed. When I make my parents and who they were and what they did my definition of God, I will be disappointed. When I allow life and experiences and events, as long as you allow anything other than God, to define God. See that whenever you don't get what you deserve, that there's still more life out there, that there's still more opportunities, 
just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to accept what has been there since the beginning of creation, all the way back in Genesis 1, that you can accept this gift of forgiveness and grace. I'm going to count to three. If this is you, if this is God tugging upon your heart, if this is your heart beating faster, if this is you realizing that in the moments whenever life gets tougher, when you have an emotional reaction, when you don't get what you deserve, and you want to accept it, just shoot up your hand. And all that signifies, all the raising of your hand signifies is just taking a step of, of free will because God's given us free will. So just say, Jesus, I accept what's already been there. One, I believe God's speaking to some people this morning. Two, God loves you for who you are, no matter your mistakes. And three, if this is you this morning, just shoot up your hand. Whether you've raised your hand or not this morning, I'm gonna just ask you to pray just a simple prayer with me. And it's nothing magical, it's nothing extraordinary, it's just, as we all say, prayer is just a conversation with God. This is to lead you in a conversation with God. If you guys wanna repeat after me, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. We thank you for these moments that we have today. We thank you for these moments that we have today. That you've given us You've given us scripture to unpack situations in our life. You've given us scripture to unpack situations in our life. And emotions whenever we don't get what we deserve. But I believe in these moments that we get the greatest gifts ever. And help us today to accept what is already there. Jesus' name. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 